Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 375, Joe and Big Al spitball on your Roth conversion, backdoor Roth, and Roth 529 and retirement planning questions. Does it ever make sense to do larger Calvin Johnson Roth conversions when the financial markets are way down? Should you convert to Roth now or in retirement? How do you spitball the right amount to have in 529 plans for education savings? And are the rules for doing a backdoor Roth the same if you're married filing separately? I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. We got, hello, Andy, Joe and Al. Most important, we drive a pair of 2016 Mazdas, Zoom Zoom, a pair. Yeah, they, they each have one. All right. His and hers. Anne and I have two infinities. We got a turtle. We got a box turtle named Hamilton and a cat named Angel. We keep trying to be couch drunks in retirement like Joe has suggested, <laughs> but we love exercise, fitness, and healthy food too much. However, with all your help, we upgraded from Coors Latte to Michelob Ultra. All right. Uh, so we highly recommend Joe consider that upgrade when he becomes, well, a bit more stable. Wow. So, yeah, in your later years. I'm, I'm not saying that. Less carbs. It seems a good rule of thumb to do Roth conversions when possible to the top of the marginal tax bracket you expect to be during retirement, especially when you are in low income years and with funds available to pay the tax and the conversion outside of the retirement accounts. I would like to hear your spitball analysis on when it might make sense to do even larger Roth conversions going into even higher tax brackets in a down market. I went back through old podcasts and couldn't find any detailed discussion on this. In general, my question is, does it ever make sense to pull the trigger on larger Roth conversions in a substantially down market? If so, is there a rule of thumb? How far down in the market to then convert how far up? The question of how much to do in Roth conversions each year to the top of which bracket seemed to be the most uncertain aspect of our detailed financial plan. Oh, yeah. Okay. Page two. Page two. Here we go. Which is understandable giving changing conditions. I appreciate both Joe's shoot from the hip gut instinct approach, as well as a CPA math from Big Al to back it up. Between tax brackets, returning to pre-tax cuts and jobs act after 2025, the Congress targeting Roth account options now through 2025 is clearly a great opportunity to maximize Roth conversions. Feel free to cut this off now. Is that, <laughs> is that him? That's him. Okay. Yes, he wrote yeah. that. Then the rest of this, the next two and a half pages are, if you have time for more, here's a whole thing you can spitball. Okay, well, let's, let's start with let, this. Let's just start yeah. there. Feel free to cut this off now. All right, Mike, I'm going to cut it off now. So he's saying, is there a different rule of thumb if the markets are down? Yeah, well, his first premise is, go ahead and do Roth conversions if you are in the same bracket or lower that you're going to be in retirement and you've got the money to pay the tax. Yes, that's kind of a no brainer. And it's, and it's even better right now because the tax rates are lower than they will be in 2026. So it's doubly a good idea. Doubly. Current, currently. It's doubly doubly good. Yes, doubly, doubly good. All right. Um, and two, then, two times the pleasure. <laughs> two times the fun. <laughs> you guys are the Wrigley Doublement twins. That's yeah. correct. God, I can't believe I remember that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, so looking at this, uh, so what he's saying is that, okay, well, the market's down. Should we do a bigger Roth conversion? Right. And I don't think that's the, 
I wouldn't because you're you're converting more shares when the market's down. So it's it's not do I convert into a higher tax bracket that I'm going to be in the future. You're already converting more shares of stock because those shares are worth less. Right. Right. But it's the timing of it. Is, yeah. is the key component of it because Which now is, you're it's hard to know right? right i mean so the market drops 20 percent. so do you convert them and then it drops another 20 percent. but you already converted to the top of the bracket so do you convert more <laughs> right i mean sure it, and at that point maybe it doesn't make sense this is my gut reaction that he wants maybe i mean it depends on how much money that he has in the overall retirement account depends on you know, if I convert a little bit more, let's say into the 24% tax bracket, if I'm going to the top of the 22, does it make sense maybe to convert another tranche? Yeah, maybe you would have to run the numbers because p- potentially you're, you're going to be in the 25 when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act comes back in the year 2025. Right. So, but if you're, you're converting to the top of the 24, which is a giant tax bracket, I don't think I would go higher than that. Yeah. So I would say it this way. Remember when the market was down during the, the Great Recession? Sure. And people converted at that point. And we tend to recommend that you put your higher expected earned asset classes in the Roth because all that growth will be tax-free in the future. And so then people converted while the market was lower because the market had gone down. And then back in those days, we had till October 15th of the following year to determine what the account balance is. And if the account balance went up 10% or 15% or whatever in that year, year and a half, whatever it may be, then it was like, well, the tax you paid when you, when you consider what you got in the Roth was actually pretty low. So I, I, to me, the CPA math is this. If, if you believe the market is going to go up 10% in a relatively short period of time, then you might even want to convert past the 24% bracket all the way to the 32 because that 8% additional tax, you're, it's going to be recovered when the market recovers. The problem is it's impossible to market time. It's absolutely impossible to figure that out. So before what we would do, the best strategy is that we would, you had the ability to recharacterize. Right. So we had some Roth conversions. We would do like 10 different Roth conversions. One was in small cap. One was in international. One was in bonds. One was in emerging markets. Right. And then you would just let them all run. And then you would wait until October the following year. And then you would look at what had the highest balance. You would keep those and you would recharacterize everything back into the retirement account. Right. Or if there was still such a thing as, you know, then it didn't matter what tax bracket that you're in. Just convert a hundred grand. Who cares? Right. And then you would take a look at, all right, well, does the math make sense depending on the expected rate of return? Because you could recharacterize. You can't recharacterize anymore. So that makes that whole strategy impossible. It, it's tricky. So it, you, it still could work out, right? It, you convert, but yes. then just know that you're stuck with whatever that you convert and you're going to pay the tax and hopefully long-term that you know the Roth is going to produce for you. And markets do tend to recover. You just don't know how quickly and when, right? So that's the risk that you're taking. But the the theoretical mathematical answer is yes. I mean, you would rather convert while the markets are down because you're putting less money into the into the Roth because the markets are lower and hopefully it grows that much quicker. So a couple of different rules of th- or, or, or di- different thoughts here di- or different strategies. There's a barbell Roth conversion strategy that, you know, hey, you wait, you take a look and if there's volatility in the market, 
And let's say your, your conversion number is $40,000. So maybe you convert $10,000 or $20,000. So you still have a reserve of another 20. So if the market dips again, then you, you, you'll get to your $40,000 later. Some people will do a conversion right in the beginning of the year, because it's better to do a conversion in the beginning of the year, especially if the market goes up, because then all of the growth for that year is in the Roth IRA. Sure. Some people wait until the end of the year. Well, if you wait till the end of the year and you have a good market year, well, that's not a really great strategy because you missed all of that growth it's sitting in your IRA versus your Roth IRA. You might want to do it monthly, right? Hey, you want to convert a hundred grand to $10,000 a month. There's all sorts of different, you know, crazy things that you can do, you know, to maximize the effectiveness of conversions. But what Mike is asking us is market timing, which we don't have a crystal ball, but if the market does go down, that is the best time to convert. But just know that the market could continue to go down and then if you convert it to the top of whatever bracket that you want, it doesn't make sense to convert more. Well, it's going to be on your assumptions of what you think the expected return is going to be in that, that account. Yeah, that's exactly right. When we could do recharacterizations, it was an easy math uh, puzzle, but now it's more difficult, as you said. And so he goes on to say, perhaps you have time to spitball this more detailed hypothetical situation. Okay, so assume an early retired married couple uh, with circumstances similar uh, to above, can happily spend $150,000 per year while itemizing above $30,000 a year. And so that puts them towards the upper end of the 22% tax bracket. They have accomplished many years of Kelvin Johnson Roth conversions, as well as plain vanilla Roth conversions. They also have enough conservative brokerage funds, as well as rule of 55 401k funds to get them to 59 and a half late in 2025 allowing them to continue doing Roth conversions through 2025. Fortunate timing for them, given the current tax laws. Huh? Also, in total, they have a million dollars in Roth, $3 million in tax deferred, and $500,000 in taxable. Let's say they, why does he just, just tell me what the hell you got. Well, let's just say they have this. And let's right. just say they have this. Right. And Mike and, is the... and, and just assume that we got to this. So it gets, annoying. It gets very specific. It's just, just tell me what you got. I mean, people want to know. It's like, we don't know who you are, so it's all right. <laughs> so say, I have six, you know, let's just assume. Uh, let's say they have $600,000 and he's talking to himself like in third person here. Yep, he is. So annoying. That's like one of my biggest, Joe's biggest pet so, peeves. So here's a better way to do it. Just change your name. If, if, you're, if, you're, if your name's Mike, then call yourself Fred, Fred yeah. right? Whatever. Or Johnny. Yep. Okay. All right. So $600,000 left on a 30-year fixed mortgage at $2.75 million in home ec equity. They are empty nesters with five kiddos. All out of the out on their own and self-sufficient. Hallelujah. Their pensions and social security will eventually cover about half of their income needs, but even without those funds, fixed income funds, their retirement savings uh, could be enough to cover all their spending given a four percent rule. So they plan on delaying taking social security as long as possible. All that together with their more conservative IRAs, 403Bs, they forecast that they will, may never touch the Roth funds, but they will still want to optimize conversions to, to provide uh, tax management control, particularly if one of them were to pass away early in retirement or to otherwise maximize passing down their um, kiddos with minimal taxes or to buy a Ferrari in 2026. They should be able to convert enough or more so as to avoid excess RMDs. But Congress keeps leaning toward making the RMD rules a bit less on 
ominous. 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 I knew I was going to get a word. <laughs> They're currently targeting to Roth convert another 600 funds between 2023 and the end of 2025 to the top of the 24% tax bracket, figuring that 22% will go to 25 after 2025 and probably only get worse downstream on that. Those targeted uh, funds are invested fairly aggressively in stocks in the Roth converted IRA, which permits in-kind instant conversions. So then please consider spitballing this more specific example of my general question. Let's say they have already Roth converted early in 2022 to the top of the 24% tax bracket. And then a stock in their Roth converted R... Oh, God. Then the market drops 30%. Given their long range horizon or or Roth funds is 30 years or or possibly never, does it make sense to in-kind convert those equities beyond the top of the 24% tax bracket uh, to the top of the 32? Would that make sense? Hypothetically, of course. All of that for that. (laughs) You did a great job reading it there, except for that one word. And then he did point out that uh, Calvin Johnson's nickname, which I'm showing on screen now, is Megatron. So that's why he said the Calvin Johnson Roth. Yeah. Got it. I don't think he's got enough money to convert to the 32. Well, Hypothetically, or the people that he's talking about. He's got a million bucks in a retirement account. You're going to convert to the 32? I would not convert to the 32 because the RMDs are not going to kill you that bad. You're already retiring, and he's taking a, a 55 distribution. So that means he's taking money out of, of 401k at age 55 to live off of. So they got $600,000 in Roth and a million dollars in retirement accounts, if I follow that correctly. No, they've got a million in Roth or oh, three, three, three million in tax deferred. Three million. Half a million taxable. Got it. And he's 55. Yeah, he's 50, between 55 and 59. I would convert to the top 22. I don't think because you still have room there. The 24 is giant. You yeah. Three million bucks. I, here's what this guy, Mike or Megatron or, or Calvin Johnson, <laughs> look at what your RMDs are going to be and, and, and figure out what tax bracket that is. And then go back to the present value of that and convert out to make sure that you don't get into that tax bracket. I mean, it's simple as that. Yeah, it, it is. But let's just, you know, so $3 million could be $6 million or more. At RMD age, right? But he's already converting to the 22 and he's got plenty. Of- I understand. So without any conversions, right? So that would be 240,000. Then, then you'd have to do a time value of what the tax brackets are going to be. Sure. So it's a little trickier, but I think I, I would say 22 personally, I would say even 24 would be reasonable. Converting an individual stock to me is tricky because now you're banking everything on that stock rather than the market as a whole. That stock may kill it. And that stock may not, and you may end up paying taxes and never get that recovered. So at least for me, I would rather convert small cap values or emerging markets, which is a A mutual fund or index fund. Yeah. Not just one individual stock within that market. Right. That's that's built up of 500 to a thousand stocks. That's what I would rather do. But anyway, some people, but as you know, if, if Facebook recovers and does well, then you're looking pretty good. Yep. I agree hundred percent. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate the, the, the novel. Now it's your turn for a retirement plan spitball analysis. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com, click Ask Joe and Al on air, send in your money questions, your comments, suggestions, or requests, and the fellows will answer them right here on YMYW. 
and try and keep it novella length if possible rather than full novel. And hey, if you want to see your money questions answered, make sure you're subscribed to the Your Money, Your Wealth YouTube channel. We post video of the fellas answering podcast questions daily. You can watch the YMYW TV show too, now in its eighth season. The latest episode is on how to avoid playing retirement lotto from crypto to ETFs in volatile markets. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app, then just click the link to follow us on YouTube. Uh, got, hello, Joe and Al. I've been listening to your show for quite some time, more than two years. Wow. <laughs> We've been down there for 15, 16, <laughs> but that's good. That's better than one. That's better than a couple episodes. Right. Um, I appreciate you both very much for bringing all this great information. I'm worried that I don't save enough for retirement. It is long. All right. Thanks for the warning. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. We'll bust this out. I'm 40 years old, married with two kids, seven and 15. My income is 120. My spouse is 100. I started my career late in my 30s. My goal is to have enough money in my 529 plan and retirement fund. Right now, I currently have a Roth 401k of 30,000, a traditional 401k of 80,000, a Roth 457 plan of 16,000, and a traditional 457 plan of 51,000. I put $17,000 to both Roth 401k and Roth 457 at this 2022 and planning to do it until retirement at age 60. And actually, that's 1700. 1708. 1708. Right. Not 17,000. Sorry. It would make a difference in the plan. It it would. (laughs) That's a key assumption. It was very specific. (laughs) $1,708. Yes. It's not $7. (laughs) It rounds to eight. So we're going with that. Oh, boy. Okay. I can retire at 57 per contract. Pension plan, 10% dedicated from my check and matching 20% from my employer. So I put in $1,200. My my employer puts in $2,200. My spouse also has a pension plan similar to me. We will have $89,000 annually when I retire until he died. Did he die? No, when he dies. Until he died. Okay. So this dies. I will have a fluctuate 3% annual income adjustment during my retirement around $100,000 annual until I die. We have 529 plans for our kids. So they got about $30,000 putting in about 500 bucks a month into those. I'm still undecided if I should increase the contribution to our 529 plans, uh, the leftover money um, to buy ETFs, or I bonds or put it in an UTMA account. Uh, my spouse put into his 401k $1,000 a month and $500 into the Roth. His current combined 457 and 401k is 100. He's 46 years old and his he will work for his job for another 19 years. He can retire at 50 years per his contract. He wants to retire at that age. I want him to work until 60. Well, of course you do. Uh, <laughs> he might get his way. Uh, we just started to invest in our 401k and 457 five years ago when I started my career as a nurse. Okay. I'm not sure. Should I roll this 401a because I will not earn the vested money if I roll over my contributed portion into 401k with the new employer? Okay, I'm not sure what that means. My brokerage account is 135000 We plan to create a brokerage account for my husband to start investing as well. My emergency fund is 70000 We both have life insurance and estate planning. My mortgage is $2,700. And rental property paid by itself to the lender at 2000 bucks a month for me. 
I just refinanced last year for both properties uh, for 15 years at 1.75%. Okay. Uh, we don't expect to get any inherited fund. We both let our parents know to help our siblings instead of giving us money. All right. I told my husband that we are still behind in our finances, especially for college funding, and he needs to work until he's 60. He will be too young to retire at 50. Do we have enough retirement fund if he retired at 50 and I still work until I'm 60? What should I do with these 529 plans? My 15-year-old is getting close to college or university. He wants to go to UC. I know it's expensive. I spent school years working um, in my 1.5 years after graduation to pay off student loan debt, and I don't want this to happen to him. It is very stressful. I really appreciate your response. Have a successful day. Okay, with all of that, Al, what do we got going on? We got some money and we got pensions and the husband wants to retire at 50 and she wants him to work until 60. Yeah, so I, roughly. She's got a couple hundred thousand in retirement accounts. So does he. They've got 35,000 in 529 plans. It looks like they've got, call it 150 in a brokerage account. Some, uh, something like that. Okay. And the mortgage, or, or they're going to receive $89,000 in pension payments. Right. What are we missing? Spending. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we just spent fifth, eight minutes going through. Now, if you're spending 89000 then you're good. <laughs> you're good. He can retire at fifty. <laughs> if you're spending 189 <laughs> then you got some work to do. You got some work to do. Because 4% rule, if you need an extra $100,000, you better have $4 million. Is that the right number? Uh, yeah. Four times four. No, that's 160. 160. So you need about three, two and a half million, I think is the number to get a hundred thousand of spendable money. From yeah. It's about 1.7. So, so I guess let's just go through this. So all of you can do this at home. Yep. All right. First things first is all right. So they're 45 years old. He wants to retire at 50. She's going to work until 60. So the first step is, okay, you figured out what you have. So that's a good point. Right. right. You have roughly $400,000 that is saved in your Roth and your 457s and your 401ks and IRAs and so on. So that's what you have that's going to produce income down the road that's going to supplement Social Security and your pension payments. So here's your liquid assets. Second step is, what are you spending? Are you spending 100000 Are you spending 50000 Right. And then let's say you're spending $50,000. Well, then you have to inflate that. So you're going to inflate that to his age 50 or his age 60, depending on when you want to retire. So use a conservative inflation rate of, I don't know, three or 4%, something like that. Sure. So you're looking at future dollars, not today dollars. And then you look at what you have for fixed income. So you have pensions of 89,000. You might have social security. I'm not sure if you put in social security, but you also have, it sounds like they're putting into the pension and social security. So you're going to have a pretty good size fixed income from your pension and social security, but you got to figure out what that number is. So looking at that number compared to what you want to spend, what is your shortfall? So if you're short $50,000, or if you're short $150,000, those are two huge differences that you will have to do some math to figure out what your nest egg should be. Right. A couple more quick things. One is when you start receiving the pensions, if you retire at 50 and the pensions start at 62, 
then you got a, a bit of a problem. Secondly, I think in many cases, it behooves both husband and wife to work while the kids go through college because that's expensive. Yeah, you can cash flow it then. You can cash flow it. So if your 529 plan is not enough to, to cover the UC tuition, all right, well, then you can still cash flow it with your incomes, but you, you might stop saving for retirement, but that's okay because you have pensions and social security that's going to compensate right. for the lack of you know savings that you're doing to bridge the gap for, for education. So you need to map some stuff out here really to, to, to help understand. But I think you're on the right track. I mean, you're not 60 looking to retire in five years and putting a couple of kids through school and only have a few hundred thousand dollars. I mean, you have a great pension. You've, you've done a good job of saving thus far. You started late. No big deal. Now it's just really button the stuff up to figure out exactly, you know, what are the next steps? So dudes, <laughs> your shows are awesome. Offering up top shelf financial retirement information. I want to ask you your opinion on my below financial retirement tax plan. This is Dan from LA. Okay. Dudes. I like that. Right on, bro. So, that's, that's Southern California type. Hey, bro. <laughs> I'm single, 55, living in LA. No children and driving a 1998 Acura Integra GS, 104,000 miles on it, killing it. $200,000 salary. Um, while working, my expenses averaged 32000 annually the last five years. If I stopped working, my retiree health care would cost me about $1,000 a month. 401k pre-tax at current employer is $1.2 million, 800 invested in index funds, 450 in stable value. Uh, he's got $1.1 million in a brokerage account, all individual stocks. Uh, he's got cash savings of $300,000, Roth IRA of $150,000, traditional pre-tax IRA of $57,000. He's got a pension of $9,000 at $55,000, $20,000 at $65,000, $25,000 at $70,000. No cola. I want to wait until I take it in age 70. Social Security is 36 at 67, 40 at 70. I want to wait until 70 to take. Currently renting, rent stabilized apartment. Maintaining an umbrella insurance policy of $3 million to protect myself. I don't need to leave much money behind when I pass. I do have beneficiaries on my accounts, and I have a will. Longevity. Took a test online, and it concluded that I will live to 90. Well, that's all, that's all you got to do? <laughs> I did that, too, once a few years ago. I think I'm going to live to 92. I'm just going to take a test online. <laughs> Boom. And then, you know. My grandmother lived to uh, 106. In six months, other grandparents went in their earlys to mid-70s. Mom passed at 85, her sister at 86. Remaining sister alive at 85 in good shape. My father passed at 78. No long-term life insurance policy. Rolling the dice, I won't need it. I recently changed my 401k pre-tax contributions to Roth. I will contribute $20,500 plus to catch up this year. Contributing $20,000 to my after-tax accounts to convert to Roth in 2022. Once it's safe that the government won't make me unwind. Current tax bracket, 45%. I didn't know there was a 45% tax bracket. <laughs> That's uh, federal and state of California, I Got believe. It. I did an analysis, and it shows the Roth comes out ahead by under 10K. I wonder what analysis he did. <laughs> he got his spreadsheet out. He did an analysis after... <laughs> He asked the computer when he was going to die. <laughs> he just went on a little calculator. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> Why not convert while working, thinking about $80,000 a year? 
Uh, psychologically feels easier to do conversions while working gives more time to accumulate while I still have a paycheck if I retire in the next three years and it puts me in the 25% tax bracket or 25-28 tax bracket when the tax laws revert back to 2017 rates. What do you think? Convert $80,000 while working, spend down the cash or wait until I retire to start converting? Tax plan. Do you think this is a good tax plan? Convert 401k to Roth IRA before 62 if possible. No stealth taxes. Irma in, oh, he knows Irma. And <laughs> minimize the tax on Social Security. Sell off brokerage stocks and reinvest in ETFs, S&P 500 total markets to capitalize cap gains or dividends. Only income to report would be pension and Social Security unless I sell my investments, uh, but at least I can control my income. I'll need at least $32,000 plus $13,000 retiree health care plus $20,000 cushion just in case. So $65,000 annually. That is before 70. So right now he's getting about $45,000 in dividends from his brokerage account. He's going to gradually sell those off and reinvest in a Roth IRA at 70 at pension and social security. Okay. Whatever advice you can give is very, very appreciated. Thanks. P.S. Let me know what podcast I should go for the response. Okay. What's his pension? Pension is 10,000 bucks. So right. He's going to take it at 70. So that's 25,000. And then his social security is going to be 40,000 at 70. And he's 55 and he's going to retire when? Sort of lost track of that. Yeah, me too. But I will say, so he's got, He'll have three million dollars in within I don't know a couple of years. So let, let's use that figure for liquid assets and three million dollars. If you're retiring, let's see, you're 55 now. Let's just say he retires today. Can I retire today? So yeah, yeah. He's got, so he's got to bridge the gap from 55 until 70. Sure. So that's 15 years. So assume he's got three million dollars and he wants to spend. 65,000 with the cushion of 20 or no 65 yeah. is with the cushion. That's with the cushion. So you take 65,000, you divide it into 3 million, right? And that number is two point something. Mm -hmm. 2.1. Yeah. So that that's a good distribution rate. I would say at that age. Right. So then you're going to pay a little bit of tax on that. <clears throat> so and, and you could create the income at 55 and be pretty much in the 0% tax bracket because you have a brokerage account and you have some cash. Right. Right. But what he's doing is he's got these dividends that are kicking out of $45,000. Right. Sure. So unless he's, he, he, he could do that, but there's probably a better tax efficient way to, to, to create income. Maybe that's been a great play for him to accumulate wealth. But if the, if the dividends are coming out, you can't hide those on your tax returns, right? We like to create a, like a synthetic dividend for lack of a better word, is that I'm going to sell a share when I need the income versus having the shares, you know, or, or the dividend distributed out to me, because then I'm stuck with that tax bill, it's going to hurt your conversion strategy. Because if I can keep the income to a bare minimum from a taxable standpoint on the return, I could do a lot larger conversion on my retirement dollars. I get why he wants to do the conversions while working because he's got cash. He doesn't spend a lot of money. And he's like, well, it feels better to me because I have a paycheck that I can you know, pay the tax on doing the conversions. So I guess his main question is, hey, yeah, he could retire tomorrow if he wants to. Second, should he do conversions if he's going to continue to work or should he wait till he retires? And I think the answer is both, in my opinion. Yeah, personally, I would wait. 
And the, the reason is you're in a 35, 45% bracket now, including state of California. When you retire, as Joe just said, if you, if you are tax efficient on your investments, you're going to be in a super low bracket and you're going to be retiring. Let's just say you retired 60, you'd have 12 years or maybe 15 years if the secure act two passes to get the converted converted amount out. So that's what I, I would, I would wait on the conversions. You are already doing Roth 401k, which I'm fine with that, but I, I personally wouldn't do any more conversions right now. I'd wait till you, until I retired because you got money in a brokerage account to pay the tax over a million bucks. Yeah. Well, he's got $200,000 of income plus another 45. So 250 of income. I don't know where he gets the top of the, well, it's single. He's single. That's no, I understand. I think that's right. All right. 215 is 32. Okay. Well, 35 plus 10 is 45 yeah. is what he's doing. Right. So he's done a great job. Yeah. Um, the, the answer is it doesn't really matter. <laughs> You're in a great spot. Yeah. But if you want to be most efficient about this, then I do agree uh, with Joe. You can retire. Uh, I wouldn't convert right now. I would wait till you retire. You've got plenty of money to pay the tax on conversion. You'll be in much lower brackets. You got a lot of years to do this. If you were 69, I might say something differently, but since you'll probably be in your 50s, I would wait. Yeah, he's 55, though. He's got time value money. That can, and he's going to live till 90. And right. by the time he turns 90, he's going to live until like, he's going to go back to the computer. And it's going to say 105. It, it's going to say 140. <laughs> yeah, he's going to beat his grandma. So I don't know. I would convert. <laughs> Could you retire today if you had to? Or does your retirement plan need a reality check? Whether you're squarely in your working years, nearing retirement, or already retired, download the Retirement Reality Checklist from the podcast show notes and learn the strategies that'll help ensure you're meeting your retirement saving and investment goals. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes, read the transcript of today's episode, download that Retirement Reality Checklist, and share why MYW to spread the fun and the knowledge. Don't forget to click Ask Joe and Big Al on air there in the podcast show notes as well to send in your money questions via email or as a voice message like Jim did. You guys have the best podcast of all. I drive a 2017 Toyota Tacoma and my beverage of choice is a good bourbon. On to the business. My husband and I filed taxes separately due to student loan repayments. As a result, we cannot start a Roth IRA. So the question is, if your IRS filing status is married filing separately, do the same rule applies to the backdoor Roth contributions? Thanks for educating and entertaining. And thanks for your spitball, Jim. All right. Best podcast of all, Alan. That was very nice. It was my- Jim didn't actually say YMYW, so he might have sent this to everybody. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Good point. Just a blanket uh, voicemail to every single financial podcast. Out there. <laughs> right. right. All right. So he wants to do a backdoor. So married filing separately, the the Roth conversion rules and contribution rules are a little bit different than single and married. But can he do the backdoor? Yeah. So maybe we should explain right off the bat. So when you're married. The uh, Roth contribution limits start phasing out at $204,000 of, gosh, now I can't remember. Is that adjusted gross income or, or taxable? I think that it's adjusted. adjusted growth. That's what I thought. Okay, 204000 to two hundred fourteen. Are, uh, are you in Hawaii? Yes, I you? am. Can you, <laughs> yeah. can, can you tell? You got a Mai Tai going there, brother? I, yeah, I already had two. 
<laughs> yeah, single, the phase out starts at 129,000. And for um, married filing separate, the phase out starts at zero and completely phases out at $10,000. So most people married filing separate cannot do a Roth contribution, at least in the normal way. But then the question is backdoor Roth, right? Backdoor Roth is when you make an IRA contribution, generally non-deductible. Well, it could be deductible, but generally non-deductible. And then after that, you, you go ahead and convert that amount and you don't pay tax because you didn't get a tax deduction. Those same rules apply to a married filing separate. It's just that you have to do it at 10,000 of income or instead of like 214,000 of income. Uh, what are you saying? <laughs> what do you mean? You're, you're saying he, he cannot qualify to do an IRA contribution, deductible or non-deductible, if he has adjusted gross income over $10,000? No, Roth, Roth contribution. Yeah, yeah. So he could do an IRA contribution for sure. That's what I'm saying. He, yeah, married finally separately. So you make the IRA contribution, and then you go ahead and convert the IRA con contribution into a Roth. Because yeah. there is no adjusted gross income limitations on a conversion. There's only adjusted gross income limitations on the contributions. The only thing that Jim needs to be wary of is the, the pro rata rules in the aggregation rules. Correct. And, Correct. you know, I don't really think those, I mean, who cares if you're only doing six, $7,000, I mean, the pro rata aggregation rules, the tax is not going to be that big anyway. And let's say he doesn't, doesn't, it's a, a full deductible contribution. And then they're like, oh, well, I, I can't do the back door because I got the deduction. And if I convert it, I have to pay tax. Well, if, if you did a straight contribution, you pay tax because it's an after-tax contribution. It's, it's the same same, it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly accurate. I think a lot of people sort of lose track of that, right? If you don't get an IRA deduction when you do the conversion, then there's, there's no tax. Or if you do get the, if, if I, I already lost track, that's the Mai Tais are kicking in. Yeah, I, I got you covered, brother. You, you take it. But here's the issue. Everyone loves the word backdoor. You got backdoor. You got the barn door. You got the, the Megatron. You got the other stupid things that people just love to talk about the backdoor Roth. I mean, we should be called the backdoor Roth show. <laughs> yeah, we should. That's all we do is talk about the backdoor. <laughs> but it, I mean, just think about it, folks. It's if, if you make a Roth IRA contribution, it's an after-tax contribution. So you already pay tax on those dollars from your paycheck. And then you take those dollars and you put it into a Roth IRA. And all of those dollars will grow 100% tax-free. Let's say, but, oh, well, I don't qualify. The best thing about, you know, all right, if, if you don't qualify for the contribution because you make too much money, then that's when the backdoor makes sense. It's like, okay, but I don't care about the pro rata and aggregation rules. In regards, if you're only doing a $7,000 conversion, right? But if you have a lot of basis, let's say that you, you've made a ton of after-tax contributions into an IRA over the years, and then you convert those dollars, then the aggregation of pro rata rules really come into effect because that, that could blow you up. Because we've seen people that have maybe $50,000 of non-deductible contributions over many, many years. And then they, they try to segregate that IRA and say, well, these are after tax. I'm going to convert this $50,000 and not pay any tax at all to get the 50 grand into the Roth. Well, no, you have to take the 50,000 of after tax and add it up to all of your IRAs. So that's the aggregation rules, right? So you aggregate all of your IRAs, just yours. If you're married, it's not you and your spouse. 
It's just yours, individual retirement accounts, IRAs. It's all individual. So then you look at the pro rata, and then you just divide what your basis is into the total aggregate amount will determine what is your tax-free portion of that overall conversion. But if you're just converting five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars, I mean, I think the benefits far outweigh a little bit of the tax that you will pay, depending, of course, your overall situation, um, to have compound tax-free growth for life. Yeah, I agree with that. And and just to sort of reiterate, I'll I'll try. So, <laughs> so at any rate, if you do an IRA contribution and and you don't you're not able to deduct it and you don't have other IRAs, you can then convert that amount and pay no tax. And that's the, that's the concept of the backdoor Roth. If you have other IRAs, it gets more complicated. But what Joe is saying is, don't worry so much about it. Just getting money to a Roth is a, is a good deal for most people. Yeah. The, the only thing that, that it, it might be a surprise where you think it's going to be a full tax-free you know, conversion because you hear backdoor Right. So you did the back door, but you, you, you didn't you, you had other IRAs. So you have to follow the aggregation pro rata rules. So. All right. Wow. That was <laughs> easy question. That took a long time. <laughs> In case you're wondering, just before Jim's question, Big Al teleported to his Hawaii office. He'll be joining us from there for the next couple of episodes. Next week, the fellows answer your questions on fixed indexed annuities, stable value funds, how much cash to keep on hand real estate investments and inheritances, and more. Subscribe to the podcast or the YMYW newsletter in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com so you don't miss a thing. No Joe equals woe is us in the derails at the end of this episode, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment at a date and time convenient for you, no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure Financial Advisors will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. No Joe equals woe is us. Okay, this is one. <laughs> no Joe equals woe is us. More candy is always a good thing, but we miss Joe and Al. Seems sad without his buddy. Big Al, were you sad without me, buddy? Apparently, yeah. I, I wasn't as happy as I normally am. Got it. It's time for Jovial Joe to wrap up his honeymoon at Sandals or Joe's more blue-collar favorite, Thongs. On behalf of the real imitation ninja and other haters, we all want me Joe back. Oh, thank you, Juan. Wow. Be happy, big one. <laughs> yeah, I'm back, Juan. I'm gonna kick some ass. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. I'm guessing, Joe, when you were gone, we had Kyle on, but I was host, so I was more stressed. So I think that's. I think that I was trying. Okay, I got to do the ins and outs. Okay, we sweating a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> We've only been doing this for 15 years, bud. I know, but you get you get used to your routine, and then when all of a sudden you're in another seat, it's like, oh, okay, this is a little different. Yeah, how many shows do you think you've done without me? Probably. Not too many. I've done a few. I've done a few. Probably, if I had to think, I'd say 10, 15. 
one, one a year. I get I get one what? weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get one weekend off. Uh, yeah. How do you like thong? How how did you like thongs? Was that thongs good? Thongs is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. So good.